Apart from us. Hey friends, uh, we are week six of our journey to Emmaus. One more week after this. But as I promised you last week, it just keeps getting better. And I mean that. Today I am so excited to preach to you from this chapter. Luke 24, starting with verse 28 through the first part of 33. Let me read it to you. Here we read. As they, the two on the way to Emmaus, the two disciples, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Let those words guide us in our thinking here this morning. Ever heard the phrase, in the blink of an eye, in a flash, in a split second, all these fancy ways of saying instantaneously something took place. In this moment, at the table, after Jesus had just broken the bread and blessed it, in the blink of an eye, in a flash, in a split second, something incredible happened. And, and it wasn't just one thing, it was multiple things. So, so let's just slow this Split second down so we can take it all in. I, I got into watching uh, the, the show Flash on Netflix. And so he, he's like the fastest person in the world. And if, they wanna, if you want to see what happens, they slow everything down to the point where everybody else is frozen. Just so you can see uh, in normal speed what Flash does. So we're going to slow it way down, right? So we can see the sequence of events and try to understand them because there's so much packed into this, this one little moment, this fraction of a second. What we read in here is that at that moment, Jesus disappears. Poof! Out of thin air, Jesus is no longer there. A human being who's been journeying with them and talking with them and breaks bread, actually breaks the bread and hands it to them, just vanishes. Can you imagine that? Doesn't that seem a little far-fetched? A little sci-fi-ish, you know? Maybe, maybe it's a, a fictional story. No, it's not. This is something that actually happened in real time. Jesus disappears from the table. That brings up a curious question, doesn't it? Why? Jesus came and appeared to them and walked with them and even became friends with them to the point where he accepted their invitation into their home to share a meal and stay the evening. Why was he in such a hurry to get out of that place? Friends, this reminds me of another story of significance in the life of the church. It comes to us from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. In this book, we read, this is, this is the, um, the day that Jesus met with his disciples in Jerusalem and said these words, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was what was on the disciples' mind, right? On the way to Emmaus, we had hoped that 
He was going, the one to restore the kingdom to Israel. That's why they were so downcast. So now they're, they're kind of giddy at this moment. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. In a flash, he's gone. He's risen up, and this time to never appear again. And we call that moment the ascension, Jesus' ascension. This past Thursday was Ascension Day. It's a day that the church recognizes the day when Jesus disappeared from the earth and went to be uh, with his Father in heaven. Today is Ascension Sunday because we don't typically gather on, on a Thursday. So on Sunday, following Ascension Day, we gather to recognize the significance of this day. And you might be asking, what's the significance of Jesus rising up? to heaven on this day and disappearing once and for all. It's the same significance, I believe, as Jesus disappearing from the table when he was with the disciples in Emmaus. And we can further understand the reasoning if we think back to some of the words that Jesus said to his disciples as they gathered together in those moments before Jesus was arrested. John brings us there. In his gospel, chapter 16, he says these words to his disciples in preparation for what's to come. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. The advocate, the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus is saying, I have to leave you, because if I don't leave you, the Holy Spirit won't come upon you to accomplish the rest of the story. What Jesus is doing in that moment in Emmaus is, is a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what's to come five weeks later when he ascends into heaven, and seven weeks later when Pentecost hits and the Holy Spirit does come upon the disciples once and for all. They're getting a glimpse of, in that moment around the table, they're getting a a small taste of the Holy Spirit. So why does Jesus vanish? Because he's preparing them for what's to come. That Jesus will one day, five weeks from now, he will ascend up to heaven until his second coming, but in his absence, he will send the Holy Spirit to empower them to do what God has commissioned them to do. So, Jesus disappears. There's a direct connection to ascension. And why? Because the Holy Spirit is coming. Jesus wants them to learn to recognize and rely on the Holy Spirit and believe that Jesus could be near even if he's not physically present. But also to begin to discern, realize what it means to discern the will of God through the Holy Spirit through a strong sense of hope and direction that's going to fall upon them. 
So interesting, in that split second, if we slow it down, we realize that Jesus disappeared. We ask the question, why does he disappear? He disappears so that the Holy Spirit can come and fulfill his purposes to the end of the world. Now, there's the next thing that we see, we hear about, is that they recognize who it is. All along, they had me thinking, you know, there's something familiar about this guy, right? Vaguely familiar. I see something in this person. I, I recognize. I may have met them. I may have known them, but they just kind of keep it quiet, perhaps. But all, all along, they're journeying, and Jesus is right next to them. They don't recognize him. It happened to me here at Midland Reformed Church. Let me tell you, it was um, early on, and, and I, I walked by a couple with masks on, mind you, and um, just in the eyes, in the forehead, that guy looks familiar. And, and then it, and I got to thinking, uh, maybe I met them already. And so um, I was embarrassed to uh, ask what their name was because what if I already met and they told me and I'm like, now I'm insulting them because I don't know their name. So I just kind of nod my head as they nod their head at me, right? And, and then I walk out. But by the grace of God, they came up. They came forward after a service and introduced themselves. And I could tell it was vague familiarity. And we said, my name is John Decker. Uh, I said, not the John Decker I grew up with at Grace Reformed Church in Wyoming, Michigan. We were in Sunday school classes together. I bet we created some mischief together and made our Sunday school teachers weep a little bit. No, not John. He doesn't do that kind of thing. And then his wife introduced herself to me as a sister to uh, the woman who married my cousin. And I'm like, oh, small world, right? Suddenly the light bulbs go off, and I understand who these people are. And it's a pretty exciting exchange. I wonder if that was what it was like for the disciples at that moment. Slow things down. Jesus disappears. Suddenly their eyes are open in that moment, and they recognize who they've been with. And this is also a connection to the coming of the Holy Spirit in that moment. I want to point out to you. Because when the Holy Spirit is upon us, we learn to see Jesus in things that we didn't recognize he was present in before. They recognize that this complete stranger that walked up on the road, suddenly they realized and they saw Jesus in them. In this journey that they had been taking from that a sorrowful moment in Jerusalem, all the way to the safety and security of Emmaus, suddenly they realize Jesus in that walk. And, and how often do we recognize in someone else the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, maybe even a complete stranger, and suddenly we, we see not this person that is foreign, is unknown, but we see something of beauty. It's the man who's standing with a cardboard sign on the side of the road, and something inside says, that's a precious son of the Most High God. Or maybe it's a, a, a co-worker that you've been so frustrated with because they've been on edge, they've been anxious, they've been irritating, and then suddenly you find that they've been struggling with something deeply emotional in their life, and it's triggering all this anxious behavior. And something inside says, the Lord loves them and wants to use you to demonstrate that love to them. When we're able to see God, even in a pandemic, and see that God can work in the midst of these discomforts to bring about his glory, 
boom, the Holy Spirit is speaking, sending off light bulbs of awareness and understanding when we are able to recognize the heart of Jesus in those things that are every day around us. Vaguely familiar, and suddenly the Spirit comes on and we see them for what they are. St. Ignatius of Loyola said this, discernment is finding God in all things so that we might love and serve God in all. As we recognize and develop that ability to see God in all things, to see and recognize there is a redemptive opportunity in all relationships, in all circumstances, the easy ones, the exciting ones, and even the difficult ones, and we involve ourselves in those places to be agents of God, to reconcile and redeem those places back to their original design, boom, discernment discernment and the Holy Spirit at work. And when the Holy Spirit is upon us, we minimize our temptation to be critical and really condemn the things around us or the people around us. Rather, we insert ourselves into their lives, allowing the Holy Spirit to use our gifts to bring about important transformation in the places around us. Elisha. In Second um, Kings chapter 6, delightful story, go back and read it, but suffice it to say, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so he may see, and then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant was scared, it was terrified. Elisha wasn't, because the enemy was looming, but Elisha saw all these spiritual warriors surrounding the place. And he prayed that the eyes of the servant would be open to see what he saw. There's an interesting connection there then to the disciples at the table when in that moment they suddenly their eyes were open, right? They could see beyond the immediate to see what else was going on. You see, so often we're, when we're in our liminal space, when we're going through challenges and we are feeling discomfort, we are focused on ourselves. We don't recognize the things going on around us. We're just focused on our own needs, our own discomforts, our own challenges. And we're praying diligently to God, would you remove this from me? And all the while, God is saying, eventually I will, but... I'm concerned with a bigger vision than you are. Don't get me wrong. I'm, it's not that I'm not concerned about you, but I'm concerned about the world. Remember what discouraged the disciples? It was that they had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel and establish his kingdom there. And God says, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to... Establish my kingdom in the world. You're thinking too small. In that moment, now suddenly, they see a bigger picture. The disciples could only focus on their own suffering. They couldn't see that it was part of the natural spiritual rhythm of transformation. That this life for a disciple involves suffering and death and burial only to be resurrected to new life as we shed our old sinful self and take on our new holy self. They couldn't see that, but Jesus walked them through the whole of Scripture, and suddenly their eyes were opened in that moment. The Spirit was upon them, and they could see a vision greater than themselves that they got to be a part of. Their 
Suddenly their eyes were opened by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, do not conform to the patterns of this world, which is so myopic, so focused on self, right? And comforts and ease of living. We can so easily get caught up in the ways of our culture and disregard the greater plan and purpose and vision of God, the redemption of the world, right? And we find ourselves complaining because things aren't the way we'd like them to be until the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we say, oh, I can endure this for the greater redemption of the world, right? So do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pray and ask God to open your eyes through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will know how to respond to the challenges and discomforts and problems that exist in your life. The Holy Spirit is real in this world and a promise to us all. You see, I think what happens sometimes is we are told the message of of salvation, right? We come to know Jesus and we know that uh, our sins are forgiven through his death on the cross. They They are buried then and we have the hope of eternal life. A wonderful message, right? Now we can kick back, relax, and just wait until the day of his return so that we can enjoy eternity with God. But then we don't, and and so it's all wrapped up in our initial baptism, right? Baptism that John promoted, the baptism for the forgiveness of sins. But don't forget that Jesus came to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, And what's the difference is that there's after we are saved and we have the assurance of eternal life, now God wants to use us to bring about his redemptive work in this world. God wants to see this broken and sinful world changed and restored back to its original sign. Who is he going to use? Well, he used Jesus for those years of ministry on this earth, but then he left and left that to the church, which is receiving the Holy Spirit so that we can go out into the world and be his agents of change, redeeming this world back to its original design. Pretty exciting, isn't it? Pretty exciting when the Holy Spirit comes. And we also see in here that they they were experiencing something inside, deep inside. They said, were our hearts not burning within us? We call it holy heartburn, except a much more pleasant kind, right? I've had heartburn before. It's very uncomfortable. Give me those tums. Let me scarf those down because it's irritable. But what they were experiencing is what hearts on fire. God was restoring their, their, their first love and their excitement back to them. What once was despair, they were experiencing along the way with, with this stranger a growing sense of hope and excitement and anticipation of something great happening. We're not our hearts burning within us. So we know that when the Holy Spirit comes, there is something emotional. There is something physical that we do experience. Not every time, but we can anticipate it like these disciples had. There's a deep burning and an excitement and a a sense that all is good and right and well, even though it may be uncomfortable and scary and difficult. 
But this is what God has in mind. He's going to use us to bring about his redemptive work. Uh, let me give you an ancient term to, to explain this. It's, this is not my creation. This is from long ago. It's been called um, consolation. Consolation. This sense that everything is good and right and pleasing to the Lord. This is the right path to go even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's challenging, even if it might cost me my life, this is what the Holy Spirit is calling me to do. Consolation. There's also a term that goes on the opposite side called desolation. The disciples were not experiencing that at the moment, but sometimes we have a word of caution from the Holy Spirit. And so we receive a direction and we say, hmm, something's not settling right with this. I'm not sure this is a good thing or the right thing, and I'm a little bit apprehensive, so I'm going to wait. So consolation, desolation is a way a lot of times the Holy Spirit speaks to us so we know what God's will is, either to proceed forward or to wait for um, a green light, kind of a caution sign. So if that's helpful to you. Henry Blackaby. You heard that name? He's a theologian that wrote so many books. One, one book was called uh, Knowing God, and in that study he says, God speaks through the Holy Spirit by scripture, prayer, godly counsel, circumstances. Godly counsel, I want you to think about that. First of all, we run through, when we hear that we have this sense of, yeah, this is good and right and needs to happen, we ought to first of all say, does scripture say anything about it? If it, it, if it goes against it, we shouldn't do it, right? We should pray about it and ask God to give us a sense of, of steadiness and peace and direction and wisdom. We also ought to seek godly counsel. This is where the church really becomes effective. When we lean on each other, we go to somebody who we admire for their spiritual integrity and commitment and, and just their character, and we say, I'm thinking about this. Would you just help me pray into it and share with me your thoughts? These are ways in which we can confirm the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And then what happens is there's this renewed sense of hope and purpose in our lives. What did the disciples experience? It was not despair any longer, but it was hope. Because you want to know how I know? Because they immediately turned around and went back to Jerusalem. They had just arrived in this place of safety and security so many miles away from the threats and the danger and the insecurity of this holy city in this volatile time. And now what's possessing them to abandon their supper of all things and then go back to the place that they were trying to flee in the first place? Nothing explains it but this renewed sense of deep, powerful hope rising out of the Holy Spirit. In a split second, in the blink of an eye, in a flash, all this has taken place. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come momentarily upon them. But it, the Holy Spirit didn't stay there. Let me, let me show you. In uh, Luke chapter 24, it says they met up with the disciples. They had an interesting exchange. The, the other disciples, the 11, had already experienced Jesus. They confirmed. They were really excited. And while they were still talking, verse 36... About this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. (laughs) 
He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. Is my, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Finally, they believed. So the spirit was with them and then departed from them. And so they couldn't see any longer until Jesus opened their eyes through, again, the 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 sharing of, of a meal. It's good stuff, isn't it? This is good stuff. And this is relevant today that as we don't get stuck at the cross, we can move on and receive the Holy Spirit and we can be a church on mission in this day, in this place, allowing God to bring redemption and reconciliation to the places we find ourselves in and helping to establish his kingdom work on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to ask you these questions to help you think through maybe why you might not be experiencing the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Ask yourself these questions. Am I consumed with grief over my losses that I'm not able to discern Christ walking alongside me in the pain? Have I become so disillusioned by some of my life experiences that I've given up and given in to cynicism? Is my vision so myopic, so focused on the details of my life and making everything so relentlessly personal that I cannot see things from a larger perspective of what God might be up to? Is there any way in which I might be like the disciples who were foolish and slow of heart to believe all that had been revealed to them been revealed to you in this word about God's redemptive purpose? Am I so taken with my human wisdom or the wisdom of this world that I cannot recognize the wisdom that comes from God, which often includes the necessary rhythms of suffering, death, burial, and resurrection? Am I so focused on myself and my own agenda that I forget to ask, what is God up to, and how can I join God in it? Friends, to move forward in this season of the church, we need the Holy Spirit. And so I invite you to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray and receive him at this time. Holy God, we thank you that you continue to pour out your love on your people. As we surrender all to you and we seek to follow you as Lord, you give us not only salvation and eternal life, but you give us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into purposeful living while we're still on this earth. No matter what age we are, the littlest of little to the oldest of old, we have purpose and meaning in this world. We pray that we would receive your Spirit with diligence, that we lean into this process of transformation, that we can hear your Spirit more fully, and that as your Spirit speaks, we will respond with hope, and anticipation of what your spirit might do in, through, and around us. Establish your kingdom, O Lord, in this place. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.